Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. We recognize His resurrection every day. Every day we thank God that Jesus rose again because we're, we, we're the testament. We're the picture that he rose again. Our lives are not the same. We've been changed and transformed on the inside because he was faithful. He was faithful to what God called him to do. And that was to come here, to walk on this earth, revealing the father and then being obedient to the father's will. And the will of our father was what? For Jesus to go to the cross, to die for us, to rise again and to bring us into the family of God the way he designed it from the very beginning. God is such a good God. And we are so thankful, so thankful for what Jesus did for us. Aren't you glad? Now, you might be out there today and, and... This might be something new to you, brand new. Maybe it's something that you're searching for. You're looking for answers. Listen, hear me. You have come to the right channel. You have opened up the live stream of truth. And that is, is you're going to get truth. You will not get religion. You're not going to get any of that religion here, but you are going to get truth. And the truth is what will bring freedom and hope, resurrection in your life. And that's what we believe. And that's why we're here. That's why we're doing what we're doing. We're doing it because we believe all of this. What God has written in his word, we believe it for us. So what I want you to do is I want you to pick your Bible up, pick your iPhone up, pick your Google app up, whatever you got, and say this with me. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Today, this day, after receiving the living word of God, it will lift me up out of darkness into light. It will lift me up out of sickness into health. Today, this day, I proclaim I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I agree with you completely. 100% I agree with you that this is your resurrection day. Listen, we are, we are, rejoicing and celebrating in the day of Easter. But we're also recognizing in such an awesome way that the resurrection was specifically for you, for me. So in the celebration of Jesus rising again, it's also the fact of our lives being transformed, our lives being becoming brand new. And it's because of what he did. And that's what we're going to look at. I've titled this this talk today, Ultimate Love. Ultimate Love. And the reason why I did that is because when we look at the Lord on the cross, now we can look at his life for three and a half years and you can see love in action. You can see him operating in, in, in just an amazing picture of grace. But did you know even on the cross, He was 
bringing forth the act of love in what he said on the cross. And there are seven statements he made on the cross. Not, I'm not talking about before, I'm talking about on the cross. Now this is something that when you really think about it and really focus in on what the real picture is, him even communicating is a miracle. Listen, they beat him. They ripped skin. He, they, they, they tore his face apart, his head, his back. He's got nails through his hands, nails through his feet. Listen, this isn't a pretty picture. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that says he was beaten so badly that you couldn't even recognize him as a human being. So you have this clean, pretty picture that's usually portrayed of Jesus on the cross. But I'm telling you, it was nasty, it was ugly, it was, it was bloody. It wasn't a pretty picture. But even in the midst of all that, the pain he went through, the scourging, the beating, the humiliation by, by the Romans and the Jews, the religious. And he's still operating in love. God is love. Jesus is love. And that's what we're going to see this morning. I'm just so excited because I believe that what you're going to hear, the truths you will hear are going to do just that. They're going to set you free. We're going to bring healing in your life, in your body. We'll have communion near the end of this message. And in that communion, there's great opportunity for miracles signs and wonders. That's what we believe. And you know why we believe it? Not just because I believe, because I believe and I've seen thousands of people healed, set free, delivered. Over the 35 plus years of ministry, I'm telling you, I have seen it over and over and over and over again. There's power in communion, power in communion. So you get ready for that. And, and, and like Sasha said a little earlier, whatever you have at home, some of you might not have the holy grape juice. Hey, if you got some Coke and a churro, you're good. I'm just telling you, do, do not try to make this a religious action in. It has to be unleavened bread. It has to be pure Jerusalem wine. Listen, this is what destroys the power of God. When religion tries to get its ugly hands in there and starts putting legalism and laws and rules and regulations. And that's what robs the power, the word of God of power. But what we're doing is, is we're recognizing why he said what he said, why he told us to do these things. And it's going to be a beautiful time. So get ready for that. But first of all, I want to look at a few scriptures about love of God. Psalms 136 verses two and three, give things to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To whom? To him who alone does great wonders. His love endures forever. God's love endures forever. Endures forever. 
John 3, 16. Every, pretty much everybody knows the scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him, are you a whosoever? Should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now that's John 3, 16. Are you guys hearing? John 3, 16 says, whoever, whoever, whoever believes in him would not perish. Whoever. I'm a whoever. There's people in here that are whoever's. There's people out there that are whoever's. Are you going to be a whoever? Because it's up to you. God will not make you do anything. He's just not going to do it. He's given the gift of Jesus. A gift has to be received. And that's something that you're going to have an opportunity to do. But first, before we get to that place, I want you to see some truths so that you will understand that this is something that you're not going to wait on. You're going to grab hold of Jesus. You're going to grab hold of him. And your attitude is, I ain't letting go. And that's a good attitude because I ain't letting go. The moment I grabbed him, whoo, my life, whoo, it's just been awesome. Not perfect. It's had ups and downs. There's been frustrations. There was a time where I've been caught up in religious stuff. I've, I've, it's, it's a journey I've been on, but I'm telling you right now, you keep being faithful in that journey. Not perfect, faithful. In other words, when you drop, you get back up. When you stumble, you get back up. When you trip, you get back on track. Either way, you keep moving forward. You keep moving forward. Are you guys listening? Keep moving forward. Don't stop. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. We don't stop. Right. Romans 5, verses 8 and 9. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified his blood, justified by his blood, that means made completely innocent, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us while we're what? Sinners. Now, when you see that word sinners, what God is trying to show us in his word is, is that he's talking about a nature, not an act. When God is talking about being separated from him, it's a nature, not because someone does a sin, it's because of the nature produces an act of sin. Well, when you receive Jesus, you become a new person, new nature. That nature will no longer produce sin. Sin or a choice that is not good for you is an act of your will, not because of nature. When you don't know Jesus, when you have not become what the Bible says, born again, you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the new birth, your spirit comes alive unto God. That is when you have the ability to walk free from the nature of sin. But that doesn't happen overnight. That takes the process of what Romans 12, 2 says, renew your mind. You have to renew the mind in the outward, I mean, for our outward actions here on earth. The mind how we think is how we operate in life. And so when we see these things, we start realizing, okay, so what it ultimately comes down to is, is God saying, listen, the nature is the key. While we had this bad nature, Jesus died for us. 
Why? Because there was no good natures. We were all from the fallen seed of Adam. Nature, we're human beings born on this earth. We're born with that nature. And that nature continues on until it can be changed. And the way it's changed is by receiving the gift of Jesus. He resurrected for us to be able to receive him. How beautiful is that? So let's don't focus in on the acts. Let's understand a nature issue. First John 4.10 says this, this is love, this is love, not that we love God, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son, Jesus, for us. That's, a, that's the picture of love. The picture of love is, is not, oh, we love God, we love God. No, the picture of love is God loves us with great love. And that great love compelled him to send Jesus to die for us. That, oh my goodness, that's love. That is love. That's a love as a believer that we strive to walk in. And it is not easy. There's a lot of unloving people out there. But it's God's desire for us to love as he loved. And he helped us by giving us his love which is awesome because I'm going to tell you right now, if I didn't have God's love in me, man, there's no way I could love a bunch. I mean, there's some bad people. I'm talking about Christians, bad Christians out there. You know, that's why the church can be looked at in a negative way because there's a whole lot of bad people. I'm talking about Christians. But the point is, is no one's perfect. If you're not going to change how you think, if you're not going to change the necessary uh, 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 things that, that pertain to this natural life, you stay the same. And what we have to do is we have to recognize our responsibility to change. And we change by receiving the word of God, allowing that word to get into our heart and allowing to work just as we, just as we on this earth have learned from the beginning. We've been taught, we've been trained, we've been brought up in, in, in our homes, in our schools, and we have someone telling us, this is how you, this is how it's done. One plus one equals two, two plus two equals four. And, and, and it continues on in the different subjects of life. And we have this, every human being on the planet, it's the same way. We're taught, we're taught, we're taught. And then what do we do? Well. Success or failure is in line with that question. You cannot listen, not pay attention, and what do you do? Fail. Or you can receive and you continue moving forward in success. It's not difficult. Once you understand that, you can understand that when we become Christians, when we become followers of Jesus, it's now our responsibility to receive the instruction of the, of the word of God and to start applying it to our lives. And when we do that, we then have the ability to have the change that God wants us to have. And again, it's by receiving the word of God, doing the word of God, in other words, applying it. And by applying it, we change. That is a natural principle of life. It is a spiritual truth. But it's a natural principle of life. In other words, this is through, throughout the whole world. Everybody has to work this way. If you want success, you receive instruction and you apply that instruction. If you want failure, you listen to instruction, you don't do it. And we all know that. You know, if you're a parent out there, you understand what that means. 
Because I know you got some kids that are hearing instruction and not doing it. You don't sit there and go, oh, what a wonderful child I have. Oh, you're such a blessing, beautiful child. No, you're not. You're like going, oh, no, we ain't having that. No, 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 no. You're going to hear and do. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. It's not because we're, we're mean or bad parents. It's because we want their success. But we all need to be that way. Even when we become adults, we need to continue to hear and do the word of God. Listen, I'm telling you, this is like day one with me as far as my receiving Jesus and the way I am right now. It's never changed. I am excited about the Lord. And I make a choice to rejoice. Every single day I get up, every single, every single day I start my day, I choose to rejoice. I choose to accept this day as a new day for me. And you should too. Every single day you get up. This is the day the Lord has made for you. You choose to rejoice and be glad in it because it is up to you completely. I'm going to make the choice. There's going to be a lot of people trying to change my choice. A lot of people on the roads right now, it's sweet. But you know, when things start getting back to normal, there's a, there's a lot of drivers that don't drive like me. And they get in the way, they get messed up. They're all doing, you know, uh, making a left turn, you know, three miles before they make the left turn, you know, just stuff like that. And, and, and it, can, it can rile you up. But hey, it's life, it's life. It's a warfare out there. The thing is, is listen, there's so many different things, so many obstacles out there that are trying to pull you away from your choice to rejoice. I'm just gonna continue to fight for the right of being happy, fight for the right of having peace, fight for the right to be healthy, fight for the right. I'm gonna kind of fight. Uh, this, this is a warfare. This isn't something where I just exist in life. I live life. And that's what I try to get the point across to love life, the people of love life, my new online family of love life. And I'm not talking about the love life people. I'm talking about the new people that are watching this. As far as I'm concerned, your family, you might not live here. You, this not by, might be your state or your country, but hey, you watching us, you're connected with us, your family, you're connected in that way. And I'm so glad you are. So let's go to the next scripture. I'm going to talk about Seven statements of love, Jesus on the cross. Statement number one, get ready for this. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now look at that. Jesus on the cross. And what is he doing? He's saying, Father, forgive them for what? they're doing. Now, remember, I started this off saying that Jesus, it, it, he doesn't have a little scratch here and there. He, he's dripping with blood. He's swollen from the beatings. If you've seen the, the passion of Christ, they portray this, this process of Jesus going to the cross and being crucified in a really, really good picture. But the truth is, is even what they show us in that movie, it's still, it, it's still clean compared to what really happened. And that's what I'm trying to show you is, is this picture of Jesus was, was horrendous. 
And here he is, innocent, on the cross. And he's doing what? Father, forgive them. How could you not? How could you not want to serve a Lord like that? How could you not want to have a life with Jesus? You know, I believe when it really comes down to your heart, you would recognize that you would want to. See, I understand. Religion is what's robbed us from this beautiful, beautiful picture of life that Jesus came to give us. Church and the way people are toward one another. I mean, there's so many things that we can look at and say, it's just, it's not right, it's not good. And I understand that. But that doesn't rob truth. Truth is truth. I mean, you can be a bad person, but one plus one equals two and it ain't gonna stop. And what I'm saying is, is God's word is truth. Even if someone believes in it and they're not walking it, God's word is truth. And Jesus loves you. And this is a beautiful picture. Here he is on the cross. The Romans, the religious, the, I'm not talking about good people are surrounded around him. I'm talking about evil, just evil is all around him. They've, they've just destroyed his body. They've, they've crucified him. And he's saying, forgive them. That's the Jesus I serve. That's the Jesus I serve. And I'm going to introduce you to this love, this ultimate love that God sent for us. Luke 6, 27, verse 27 and 28. But to you who are willing to listen, I say this. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Now, Jesus is making this comment probably, you know, a couple of years before this event. So what am I showing you? I'm showing you Jesus practices what he preaches. Jesus didn't just talk about truth and then, you know, well, it doesn't pertain to me. No, no, that's what religious people do. What Jesus does, he gives a message and he walks the talk. How awesome is that? When he says, hey, this is what we're supposed to do. And here he is on the cross. And what is he doing? Forgive them. Oh my gosh, how beautiful. This is awesome. This is awesome. And this is what we need to see. This is the picture we need to see. And it's important to recognize this. When he said, forgive them, He's talking about a complete forgiveness. He's saying, Father, I want you to forgive them all for their actions. I mean, how beautiful is that? Colossians 2.13 says this. When you were dead in your sins, when we were dead in our sins and in the uncircumcision of our sinful nature, there it is, talking about the nature again, God made you alive with Christ and he forgave us all our sins. How many? All our sins. How many sins? All our sins. 
That's what the Father did. We receive Jesus. We are in Christ. We have been forgiven of all our sins. Jesus is on the cross, and what is he doing? Ultimate love, forgive them. Woo, that is awesome, awesome. In Luke 23, verses 35 through 37, we have the picture of the two murdering thieves that are next to Jesus. Not two guys that did something bad. We're talking about not two guys that, you know, they went and robbed a Circle K. No. We're talking about guys that rob people and then kill them. Or kill them and then take what they want. So these guys are bad. Bad guys that are crucified right next to Jesus. Now let's look at this picture. The crowd watched and the Jewish leaders laughed and scoffed. He was so good at helping others, they said. Let's see him save himself. If he is really God's chosen one, the Messiah. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now look at that. This is what's taking place. Jesus is on the cross. It's a mess. He's just spoken out, forgive them. He didn't whisper this. He spoke it out, and here they are attacking him. I don't know about you, but that makes me mad. I mean, it just stirs a lot of anger in me toward these evil, evil people. Now look at the picture again. He's on the cross, and now they're berating him. Come down, hey, if you, you know, if this is truly who you said you'd be, and just so ugly. I can see the devil all over this. Look at verse 39. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us. He said, prove it. Save us all. If you are truly who you say you are. What is this guy doing? This guy... This guy isn't standing around. He's crucified. He's hanging on a cross right now. He's looking over at Jesus. And what is he saying? Think about it. He's saying exactly what the religious leaders are saying. And he's saying what the Romans who crucified him are saying. In other words, even people that are hanging on a cross, even in the worst time of your lives, there's religion that's trying to manipulate your life to copy its view, copy what it believes. The world and the Roman soldier is trying to manipulate you. They are hurting you, but you're still bowing to what they believe, what they say. People do it all the time. That's the life we live in. We, we want to become and, and act like people that could care less about us. We want to idolize singers and, and, and actors and athletes. They could care less about you. We want to sit there and blindly submit to, to government officials that could care less about you. We need to start focusing on the person that truly does and prove it. 
because none of them are going to die for you. Not one of them. Jesus did. It's time to connect with him because he's the only one that truly cares for you. What a great, great God we serve. Praise God. That's so awesome. So this guy says, come on, prove it, prove it. The other criminal protests and says, don't you fear God when you're dying? Listen to him. The other, the other thief, the other murderer, turns to the other murderer and says, dude, what's wrong with you? You're dying. I'm dying. Do you, do you guys see this picture? It's so crazy. They are hanging on a cross. one over there screaming, Jesus, what's wrong with you? If you're really that, come on, save us. Making fun of them. Just like the religious people, they're laughing and just, just being ugly toward the Lord. The soldiers, same exact way. The other one looks over at that, the other murderer and says, you've lost it, dude. How can you talk this way? I can imagine this guy's going, did you just not hear what he just said? He's, he's innocent and he's asking, the, he's asking God to forgive all this. How can you not see this? How can you not see it? Don't you even fear God when you're dying? We deserve, a, we deserve to die for our evil deeds. Listen to this guy, he recognized it. This isn't a guy, again, that got caught shoplifting or, or stealing food to feed his family. We're talking about a murderer. We're talking about someone evil. And look at his life, he's saying, listen, we deserve this. We deserve every bit of this. But he doesn't. He recognized this. But this man hasn't done one thing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Woo! This is the second statement. To a murderer, while Jesus is hanging on the cross, to another murderer that's beside him. And he says, I want you to know, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Can you imagine what those words felt like to that guy? Dying on the cross, guilty, and Jesus is bringing hope. What are you going through today? What have you been going through in your life? Because what I'm seeing is, is when we're talking about the love of God, ultimate love, it can be the worst day of your life, but he's still there to bring hope. When you turn to Jesus, when you look to Jesus, listen, this is the truth about the Lord we serve. His grace and a mercy endures forever. And it's pumping out right now into this world through these messages that many churches are doing right now. But this one right here, 
This message right here is saying, listen, when you're at the worst of your worst, you can turn to Jesus and he'll bring hope into your life. How beautiful is that? Today, not tomorrow, not the next, today, today, Jesus responds, today, <laughs> how great is that? All I know is that you think about it and what it does is it brings hope beyond the grave completely. He is a hope giver. Second Corinthians 5, 8 says this, we are confident. We are confident. Yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Is that awesome? That is a hope to hold on to. That is a hope to hold on to. Listen, my dad just went to heaven Thursday. Thursday, he went to be with the Lord. Just like that, straight toward Jesus. And right now, he's in the greatest joy, greatest peace, greatest time of his life. He's been on this earth for three, four years, miserable being eaten alive by dementia and all the ugly effects of that disease. No life at all, none whatsoever, just existing. Thursday, he went to be with the Lord and it is such an awesome, awesome, awesome experience to know that no longer is he under that, that demonic evil disease, but now he's free running in heaven with Jesus. And I'm sure, and, and I know that I know that I know that my mom is hanging. I mean, they are just rejoicing together right now. It's just a beautiful thing. So we're at peace and we're so happy. And we know that death is not the end. We go straight into our family in heaven. We have family here, eternal family, and we have family up there, eternal family. And that's what we can be comforted in. And hopefully that comforts you. The third statement is John 19, verse 26, 27. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciples he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Listen. Jesus was responsible even as a son. And that's something beautiful to see because see, here he is even looking at his natural mom and saying, I don't want you to be alone. He's also the firstborn. He's the eldest of his family. So when his father died, his responsibility was still to make sure his mom's taken care of. And what does he do? He says, John, take care of her. She's now mom to you. That's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And, and how awesome it is that he picked John. I mean, John had the greatest revela revelation of love. And he knew that John would be the one that would keep taking her in the direction of success in the kingdom of God. Because ultimately, John and Mary were in what? In the, in the time where... The Holy Spirit fell when they're all in Jerusalem. She was there. And because she had someone like John in her life. How beautiful is that, huh? 
So here we have this statement where Jesus is still taking care of. Are you guys seeing this? In the midst of what he's going through, in the midst of all this that's going on, he's still operating in this love, this, this, this love that we look at and go, how could you run from this? How could you not want this in your life? I'm telling you, this, there's no greater life. This is the greatest life that there is. Operating in a place of acceptance through Jesus Christ to the Father because of his death, burial, and resurrection. Wow, how beautiful. The fourth statement is Matthew 27, verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, this is... A, such a powerful statement because this is the, the picture that gives us great hope. And you read this and you think, how could this be great hope? How could this be something that, that would get you excited? Because this is the point of time where all the sin, yours, mine, their Future, all the sins of this earth, all the curse of this earth went on Jesus. And all that sin, all that curse upon his life, the Father, which is one with the Son, at that moment, sin, all the sin enters to him. The Greek word shows us the word forsaken. He literally backs away and turns his back on Jesus. Now think about this. The father and son have always been one. Always. At this moment of time is the first time. And I believe this was the toughest time of Jesus to know that at this point, the father would separate from the son. Now, why would I look at this and say, this is the greatest time? Because listen, if this doesn't happen, there is no hope. If all the sin does not come on Jesus. And the Father doesn't separate himself from this. There is no hope. There is no eternity. There is nothing. But this picture proves that it happened. And the moment that Jesus experienced this sin of all the, the world coming upon him, the Father then turns and leaves separates himself. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And he's experiencing this from the very first time. 
Now, Jesus has gone through many different things while, he here, while he's here on earth. This was the worst, to know that he would no longer be connected with the Father because of yours and my sins, because of the world's sins that are now upon him on the cross. Wow. Wow. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The New Living Translation says this. For God took the sinless Christ and poured unto him our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness unto us. How beautiful is that? This is the picture that you need to see. This is the truths that you need to understand. Because religion has a difficulty in these areas. They continue to want to pull you back into legalism, into works, into you doing it, you making it right, you making sure you don't do this and don't do that. And it wants to bind you into your works. It doesn't even comprehend the Old Testament, prove the point that we can't do it on our own. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need grace for grace. It's by grace that we've been saved. Not through works, not through our actions. By grace. What Jesus did on the cross, not by what I do or don't do. It's amazing how we can receive salvation eternity by believing this, but once we receive it, all of a sudden people go back to the law again. Now you can only have it if you do this and you won't lose it if you make sure you don't do this and don't do that. And it's just so ugly how after being freed from the sin nature that religion likes to put the law back on you and try to turn this into you're saved only if you don't do these things. And you know what? The sad thing is, is they never look at sin the way scripture does. Because now it becomes something they pick and choose of what will lose your eternal salvation. So they pick the bad ones. This is bad sin. But if you're in church, you're a leader and you gossip a thousand times a day, you're okay, you're okay. You speak evil of other people, you're okay. You do it all the time. They don't see that as you're gonna lose, you lost your salvation. They only look at things that are, they consider bad, bad. You're on a, it's a lose-lose when you get off of truth. You've got to recognize grace is how we get saved and grace continues in our life today. Now listen, you need to know something. You want to sin? There's an effect. You make bad choices? There's an effect. Paul says, hey, everything is lawful for me to do, but not everything is going to be beneficial. In other words, I can do whatever I want. And Paul understood this. But what was his choice? I'm going to press toward Jesus. I'm going to press toward truth. I'm going to do what's right. And that's what grace is. And that's what the love of God is. And that's what he's trying to share with you. 
When you start putting legalism and the law back into your life, you'll never, ever, ever be free as a believer. It's impossible. You're always going to be looking over your shoulder of, am I saved? Am I saved? Am I saved? Why? Because you're not going to walk perfect. You're going to sin. You you, you speed two miles over the speed limit. That's sin. We're we're to obey the laws of the land. It's sin. You pass paper on the floor that you know you should pick up and you don't do it. That's the definition of sin. To who that knows to do good and don't do it, it is sin. I mean, you can go down this line of, of, of all the specific rules and regulations of making sure you don't do wrong. But that's what the Old Testament showed us. It's impossible. So what do we do? We grow. We grow, we grow, we grow. How? By the word of God. We receive God's word. We, we chew on this. We get it into our lives and we allow it to operate in and through us. You become less religious. You become more filled with life. The ability to minister and touch lives. And that's what this is about. And I want you to understand this. Too many people out there screwing over other believers based upon their doctrines tied to legalism works. It's time to be free. That's why we're, we're, we're celebrating this time because this sacrifice Jesus did and the resurrection brought abundant life to us. And he who the sun sets free, free indeed. And that's what I'm receiving today. Freedom. Freedom. Galatians 2.20 says this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what Paul's writing to the church at Galatia. The Galatian church, he's saying, listen, you are loved because Jesus showed you that he loved you. He died for you. How awesome is this? Who loved me and gave himself for me who loved me, listen, nails didn't hold Jesus to the cross. Love did. Love did. Love is what kept Jesus on that cross. Love. Man, great love in which he loved us. He died for us. The second, the fifth statement John 19, 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, the scriptures might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Powerful scripture. And you may think, well, how is this a picture of love? It's a picture of love because it's showing he's 100% man. 100% God, 100% man. And in that, he thirst. He's thirsty. We see Jesus in his life, hungry. We see Jesus in his life, tired. We see Jesus in his life, laughing. We see Jesus in his life, crying. We see all the pictures of God in the flesh, Jesus, operating and feeling and experiencing what we do. 
This ain't no prima donna God. This is a God that says, I'm coming down and I'm going to be a part of my creation. And I'm going to experience what you're experiencing. I'm going to feel what you feel because I love you and my love is proven But what I'm doing. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, Jesus on this earth, God in the flesh is experiencing all this, everything. I thirst is a testimony that I feel I'm experiencing. I know what you're dealing with. I know what you've gone through. I know the tough times you're experiencing. Jesus felt it all. He just didn't sin. The Bible says he was tempted in all the points that were tempted, but did not sin. Hebrews 4.15 says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Tempted in every way. When you're going through what you're going through, he understands. He experienced temptation. He just did not succumb to temptation. We do. We do the following. He stood strong. He experienced it. So when he hears us going, Father, Jesus, help me. He understands. He sympathizes with us. How awesome. That's a God we serve, a God that understands, a God that cares, a God that loves us, a God that said, I'll never leave you nor forsake us. Woo, that's powerful, powerful, powerful. Statement number six. So when Jesus received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. The work is completed. It's done. It's finished. Right here. It's done. It's over with. Ephesians 1 7 says this In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. It is finished. I completed the task, I did what was necessary. We win. That's what Jesus wants you to understand. He finished it. He finished it. And what is so beautiful about scripture is, is he finished so that we could start. Start living this new life. The new life. Let, let me go back to statement number seven, Luke 23, 46. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. Here we see a beautiful picture and no one took the life of Jesus. He gave it. He gave it freely. No one took it from him. He gave his life. He gave his life for you. He gave his life for me. Father sent Jesus to do just this so that we could all enter into have the opportunity to enter into the family of God. But it took a choice. 
And it's going to take a choice by you. And if you've never received Jesus, and how can you not? You, you just heard the testimony of the goodness of God. You've heard the testimony of how awesome he is. The love that he has for you. He's, he's got a plan for your life that is beyond what you could ever, ever believe because you can't see yourself in the way he does. We see ourselves through our past. We see ourselves through our failures and our messes and all the ugly that we've lived through. But God sees us differently. And that's why we have to receive him to be able to experience the truths that he knows about us. Being a part of his family, now he's my papa, he's my dad. And now I'm, I need to be responsible to receive his instruction to my life. As a son of his, I want to be obedient to his words. And by doing that, I start to experience what, he what he's talking about, about this kingdom and what he has for us. And it is a life and life more abundantly. It's a life of, of where we can have healing and be set free and be whole and have peace and operate in love and, and have all the experiences of the fruit of the spirit working in our lives. But like everything, we must grow in the knowledge of these truths. It's just not a wand waved over our heads. Just like natural life, we have to receive instruction, learn the instruction, and then we operate in it. And the same of God's word. We've got to receive the instruction. We get, we receive the instruction of it, the learning of it, the process that we go through in normal life of learning something new, and then we start to apply it, which, by the way, is the definition of wisdom. You can have knowledge, but if you don't apply it, you can be pretty dumb sometimes, right? I'm just saying. Been there, done that, huh? But the point is, this is what God wants for us. He wants you to receive him. I want you to receive Jesus right now. Say, Jesus, go ahead, you can do this. I believe in you. And I ask you to come into my life. Jesus, I receive you. I want this truth. Not religious stuff. I want this truth. I want this love. Jesus, I want you. And I thank you for hearing my prayer. Coming into my life setting me free, forgiving me, and making me whole. Thank you, Jesus. I am now a part of your family. Praise God. Praise God. If you prayed that prayer, click that little I prayed button, whatever button they have on that you receive Jesus, and listen. If you would like me to send you something to help you on your, your new decision, Go ahead and write me. You can get the information on lovelife.church. Write me. I'll send you the little booklet. And I promise you, that's all you're going to receive from me. You'll never receive a letter after that. Now, if you want something else after that, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to beg for stuff like that because I, I, we just don't do that. We're not going to bombard you with, oh, we need money. We need money. We need this. We need that. We won't do it. I'm not going to do it. But I will send you this booklet. We'll pay for it. 
There ain't no 1995 or 3995 shipping handling. It's free. I would like you to have it. If you receive Jesus, I'll send it to you. I love you guys, and you're such a blessing. Happy Resurrection Sunday. See ya. Have a beautiful day today. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.